Welcome to the Life Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and really excited to welcome you into yet again another incredible conversation with a luminary, a legend, and someone who is on the front lines of all things to do with personal growth, holistic health, consciousness expansion, and the frontiers of what is happening in our world today and moving into the future. So today's episode is with a dear, dear friend of mine, someone who I consider to be like a big brother. I have known this individual since 2009. And this man has been a mentor to me. He's been a a forerunner in my own career as a holistic health practitioner, a nutritionist, an herbalist, a detoxification specialist, and really all the things that I I'm into when it comes to personal transformation, personal growth, and holistic health. And this guest has been on the show five times now over the course of how long the show has been going since 2015. If you can believe it, we've been podcasting since 2015, 2016. And this individual is very near and dear to my heart. His name is David Avocado Wolf. Many of you know exactly who this man is. He is one of the legends and pioneering educators in the holistic health and especially the natural nutrition field. And again, we've done five deep dive podcasts together over the years. This episode is especially interesting and it may or may not be everybody's cup of tea. If you are a fan of David Avocado Wolf, then you are going to love this episode for sure. None of it is going to surprise you. Um, if you're just getting into his work or you're just coming onto this podcast, you're just learning about me, you may or may not be pervy to some of the things that we talk about. David is um, he's a pioneer and an explorer in many different fringe niches of consciousness, not just holistic health and nutrition, but many different topics when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to conspiratorial ideas and theories, and I I don't call them theories, other people would say conspiracy theories, nothing that we talk about in this episode is theoretical, it's all documented, it's all factual, it's also all experiential, Um, Both him and I go deep into a lot of things that we've both experienced, we've observed, we've researched, and this is a very full spectrum episode, so uh, we we go right into it, by the way. We go right for the jugular, right out the get-go, and then the episode just becomes an incredible conversation between two friends and colleagues and people that have known each other for, you know, 12, 13 years and have had a close relationship and and a great camaraderie and respect for one another. And I think that's really felt in this episode. And we talk about so many things. Right out the gate, we get into this conversation about the truth on good and evil. We talk about healing addictive habits, ancestral diets. We also go deep into the role of plant medicines on the planet right now, what the role and the spiritual purpose and the evolutionary impulse of plant medicines are. The false promises of science or quote-unquote scientism, we also go into parasite consciousness and parasite cleansing, fasting for longevity. We get deep into the power of discipline and ultimately the underpinning of this entire episode and David's message is about 
how to have the best day ever every single day, which is a spiritual perspective on empowerment. And I think that's something that really shines through in this conversation. It's going to be um, a North Star for everything that we talk about. Some of the stuff we talk about may feel a little edgy. It may feel a little confronting, but ultimately it's about transmuting the darkness and the shadow and the fear into what we talk about, the Christed light of consciousness and bringing that into consciousness so we can transmute the fear and the lower level emotions and the doubt and the the paranoia of the world and the fear programming. We can transmute all of that into hope, inspiration, into light, into really shining a light for a more hopeful future that is beneficial for all living creatures on the planet, whether they be plants, minerals, rocks, animals, humans, all the like. So anyways, that's a little bit of a rundown of this incredible conversation with a dear friend, a mentor, a role model, someone that I have so much respect for. And by the way, this episode was recorded at David Wolf's permaculture biodynamic farm called Noni Land in Kauai, where we both have lived and he also lives part-time. And I got the pleasure to hang out with him on his incredible biodynamic farm. And then after we recorded this podcast, we spent the next seven or eight hours together doing chaos gardening, um, you know, just, just on the land, literally just having the best day ever all day long. And it was a really, really special episode. And I think you're going to feel the vibe from both of us. So anyways, without further ado, enjoy this conversation between myself and my dear brother, David Avocado Wolf. David Avocado Wolf, welcome to the Holistic Life Mastery Podcast Show. Ronnie Landis, great to be reunited. It was good to see you at the farmer's market the other day. Yes. Let's get into it. I've got some great stuff to share, and, and I'm in the zone right now. I've been in mm. Hawaii for about six weeks, and uh, it, it's just been, you know, raining down the, all the way to the world on, the, on these aisles, but at the same yeah. time, you know, with the darkness comes the light. Mm. Mm. Literally, metaphorically, metaphysically, on every plane, every level. Yeah. Every level. Yeah, exactly. So... When that whole thing happened, I was like, I had just gotten here and I was like, oh my God, this is the most insane tragedy ever in Hawaii history. And maybe the, the, the Maui, the Maui incident yeah, you're speaking Hawaiian about. Yeah, that I'm speaking about specifically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's clarify that. Um, it's so, you know, it's so normalized here that, you know, everyone's talking about it. But just for everyone out there in the world that this, whatever happened there, has had a very profound impact on all the islands and, uh, everybody's reeling from it so we were we've been really trying to figure out how to deal with it and one of the best ways to deal with it is just to have the best day ever mm. right we've just got to keep keep the light shining i mean what else are you going to do there's no other response i mean just mm. help as much as you can mm. i got friends over there helping every day and also getting blocked by the government repeatedly you know which is so crazy anyway i don't want to get too much into that we just have to counter that darkness with light okay that's actually a great that's a great place for us to start the 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 concept of the best day ever this has been like a philosophical underpinning to your entire message your work as long as i've known you since like 2010 or so when i first got connected with you like yep. 13 almost 14 years Jeez. which is crazy crazy it's a lifetime's gone by it's a lifetime and multiple lifetimes built into that 
and which is why it's really so good to reconnect with you and yeah. kind of feel the magic of that because so much has happened. There's been a lot of death and rebirths. Yeah. And um, and so, anyways, this idea of the best day ever, like, what does that really mean? Because you've been saying that for so many years. I know that we've heard SpongeBob say it. I don't know if there's a correlation or connection between the two of you or some sort of there is weird and relative I, connection. But. I have the I have the um, CD. <laughs> with Spongebob's signature on it saying, thanks for the best day ever. Amazing. Okay, so, so you know, it, it's, a, it's a great thing to say, and it's naturally uplifting. I say it to people. It's kind of a natural thing that I say, because there really is no other better saying than the best day ever. But what does that really mean? Okay, well, the number one thing it means, the number one thing I've learned by saying that for the last... It's been in my lexicon for, since I was about six, 15, 16 years old, somewhere in there. That's when I started noticing, for example, we'd go out and film crazy stuff on video when I was a kid on VHS tape, and the name of that tape was The Best Tape Ever. I have that in our original handwriting from when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. So I know it goes back that far, and everything was the best ever. But what it really means is faith. That's what I've okay. learned over the years. Yeah. You have, like, if it's the best ever, I, don't, I can't figure that mm. out. What, do I, what, mm. what can I do? I've got, I'm too busy. I got things to do. God will figure it out. Mm -hmm. The way that, that mm -hmm. reality unfolds will figure it out. Source en source um, energy will figure it out. It, that's that's what figures it out. It's a built-in faith. It's a built-in faith. Yeah. That yeah. There is a higher power, and they they're going to figure it out. What is what is your relationship interpretation somatic felt experience of God or source energy? I, God to me is reality. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'd say the closest I ever got to God, like, you know, from a metaphysical sense, was um, when I smoked 100 milligrams of toad venom uh -huh. in 2015. Okay. And um, I got all the way to the source. I got all the way there. That was epic. I never really needed ever that medicine ever again mm -hmm. since then. Mm -hmm. I never really needed hardly anything since then, actually. You know, mm -hmm. I don't really need anything. That, that, then what God was was a, was a, we a circle, okay. an opening where all creation was pouring out. Mm, mm. That's what it was. Did That's it, where I got to. Did it? Did it feel like a being or like the totality of creation? Yeah, it felt like the totality of creation. Like this is this yeah. is. We can't understand these things really. It's right. just you know obviously it's just we just try to point and we're we're I think on a very low level of evolution in general in the overall scheme of things and the hierarchies of beings in the universe. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe we're on a high level, I don't know. But this realm that we're in is beset by a lot of demons. Yes. And therefore I suspect that there's a lot of higher realms than this. So mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. we're definitely not in the highest realm. And um, therefore, you know, we just gotta shine a light in this realm, have the best day ever and go berserk. So this makes me think of a few things. So me and two mutual friends of ours, Amorea and Elijah Ray, the three of us got together and had like a trinity convergence on the beach. And it was one of the most profound and high level, high depth conversations I've had in a long time, as far as I can remember. And there were a number of themes that came up in our kind of tracking of reality, tracking of our own experiential felt sense of reality and what's been coming up for us, what we've been tracking in the the distortions in the field within our own mind, just like really just comparing notes. And this theme of Wetiko continues to come up. And that's something that me and Elijah really bonded over, you know, over many years of this topic of Wetiko that was born out or not born out, but it was popularized by um, Paul Levi 
and that yes. that great book, dispelling the um, the curse Dispel of evil. Let it go one and two. Right, right. And I got really deep into that, and it gave it gave a name to this phenomenon of the spell, essentially, right? The the mind virus. Nick Good turned me on to what. Of course, to that makes sense. That makes Does total that make sense. sense it makes what? complete sense. He was onto it way back then. Yeah. He was okay. onto it back in 20, 2009. Oh wow. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Because he's a spiritual warrior. Yeah. Of course. And so I was speaking to this thing of like something I've been noticing is like almost like this overlay or this filter, this like energy in my own hologram, if you will, if you want to use that language. And it's kind of like this, this, um, it kind of, uh, it inhibits my wakefulness of staying awake, if you will. It kind of puts this little fog. So I think we can all relate to that. Sometimes we feel a fog, we feel doubt fear, irrational fear, stories start manifesting in our thoughts where where there really is no problem, but then all of a sudden there's this stress response, this trauma stress response that we feel. And I, I, I think that's something that a lot of people are contending with. Okay, and interesting. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just... Interesting phenomenon. I, I understand the phenomenon. Yeah, and I'm curious, A, do you, do you experience that? And what are your thoughts around that and this Watika virus? Well, I, see, the thing, I'm kind of a little bit um, skewed into Steiner stuff yes. more than the Watiko stuff in the sense of, like, uh, the Watiko stuff is describing to me, to my understanding, three or four phenomenon that Steiner would call, would call like, Luciferic demons, Aramonic demons, Azurus, and the absolute unknown, Right. That's the Wetico world. Those, the, and then mm -hmm, I would break mm -hmm. it up into those four categories. And I think that's exactly that's kind of what I do. That's the filter that I use in my mind when I right. think of Wetico. Yeah. I don't take. Um, I think it's a great book, great understanding, but I'm just yeah. a little bit too. I think Steiner understood the phenomenon deeper. Personally. Like the accuracy, like the actual being able to name the specifics. Yes. Yeah, because then you know what's what, how to deal with it. For example, right. Um, Luciferic demons are escape artists they're constantly trying to escape their reality they, they're, uh -huh. they're assisting the being to escape their reality and um our harmonic beings are this is the only reality reality there is this the material world this is it you know they're, mm -hmm. they're all the way in that extreme then the azuras are like demonic entities or beings that are like maybe low astral realm that still inhabit the earth those could be called extra maybe like succubus or, or like like parasitic. okay oh interesting yeah like yeah that right kind of thing like runaway weird android programs or something you know that they kind don't of stuff. they're uninsold they, they they need to pirate onto some other living being to source their energy yeah and they seem to be like in certain locales you know so they're in certain places and locations where they kind of manifest repeatedly, and then you get away from that location, they don't manifest oh, outside yeah. of that zone. I'm thinking of certain like spots in Arizona where uh -huh, uh -huh. that kind of crap happens all the time, where there's just weird, are those grays, what is it, reptilians, like what the hell like is weird this? Weird ET phenomenon. Yeah, those would be Azuras or just the complete unknown. So I always yeah. break it yeah. down into those things. But anyway, I'm not sure if that answered your question or even got close to it. Well, no, it, no, it's actually, it's, no, it's, it's a beautiful extrapolation because I think like the Watiko phenomenon or idea is pointing, it's pointing the, it's pointing the lens, right? Uh -huh. And it's a general concept, but like when you break it down and really investigate it, it's a very accurate concept into the felt experience of what it's describing, like as a mind virus and as a parasitic kind of vampiric um, energy that's trying to source outside of itself for its own, you know, its its own source. That's what parasites are, right? 
And so like what I'm hearing from you, and I understand the, va the, the, the Steiner cosmology because you actually turned me on to it, you know, funny enough, and, and I went really deep into that myself. And so I think, yeah, it, it, it answers any question that I have about it and just getting, getting kind of a deeper probing for all of us to understand what that phenomenon is. Especially this, this, this Luciferic and Aramonic phenomenon and I just want to, I'll, I'll tie it on this note. I, okay, so the reason why I like to watch yeah. the books and read them yeah. is because it's outlining, it's outlining more of the demonic archetypes that we're dealing with. It's giving me more information about those demonic archetypes. But in the overall giant class of them, I, you know, I've kind of, it's basically those four, right? It's the Azuras, the um, Luciferic demons, the Aramonic demons, and then the complete unknown, right? That's kind of, that's that to me is really an interesting and very important insight by Rudolf Steiner. And, and the yeah. reason why that is is because in all levels of, re of our reality, there is the choice to escape or there's the choice to okay. Okay. completely yeah. engage. And at some level, it's a balancing act between those things, right? You can't get too serious or too into something without it taking you over. I know that very well. I've, I've, that's been a huge part of my journey these last couple of years, especially with deep medicine ceremonies and really confronting the darkness and the over-seriousness. And it's very convincing. It's very addictive and alluring. Well, to a lot of people it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, why, that's why this phrase, the best today is the best day ever, immediately counteracts all those forces and immediately puts you into the holy flow of like, I don't even have to think it's the best day ever, believe it, any of it. I just say it's the best day ever, best day ever, best day ever, best day ever, best day ever. Mm -hmm. And I start looking for evidence that it is the best day ever. And your brain will track that. Yep. Yeah. And then you suddenly you're like, whoa, look at this. Whoa, check that out. Like, this is the best ever. Look at this. Right here. See these formations? Yes. So we're going through a wood pile. I'm like, this is heavy duty work. Mm. Look at look at the jewels that came out of that. Look at this stuff. Look at this. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? That's evidence of the best ever. It's like, whoa, what was I not paying attention to? Mm -hmm. This mm. this wood is loaded with these. Look at those jewels. What is that? Yeah. Right? And then, so, you know, my, I kind of think alchemically, and I'm like thinking, okay, maybe I can make a medicine out of that. Maybe that's an excellent uh -huh. epoxy or, you know, some other material or whatever. And so that's the best day ever mentality is that you're constantly looking for what's right. You're constantly looking for right. something that's going to solve your problem. Mm. You're constantly looking for something that's going to, make the moment better solution based yeah right because there's always a solution to yeah. any perceived problem the seed of its very solution is it, built into it's built it. into it right yeah that's I, a very powerful that's a napoleon hill it, quote it, i would say this it's even this crazy this is my personal opinion this has yeah. been my experience it's always immediately around you the, the exact solution you need is right in front of your face mm. all the time Mm. And that is such an amazing realization, that one right there, because the craziest stuff the other night, I, I needed to put together a little, like a thing to hang necklaces with. Okay, so it was just like a little thing I needed. And I just got this vision in my mind of like, oh, this, 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 and that, put it together. And I was like, whoa, the thing I needed was right there in front of me. Yeah. I didn't even have to leave my desk. It was mm. whatever, all the pieces were right there. Mm. I was like, geez, I didn't have to get up. It's such an important reminder and recalibration of perspective that there's something, you know, this is, this is loosely or directly tied to something I really do want to talk to you about, which is addiction. So I wrote a book on addiction in the summer of 2021, and I won't go into my whole thing around that, 
I want to hear I want to hear from you. But this this theme and focus of addiction became very seminal, very paramount for me, especially going into the study of dopamine, the dopaminergic system, how that is like a filter for our reality at a deeper level, but that controls our motivational neural networks and how our how essentially we're motivated to to stimulate the pleasure reward system of the brain. It's way deeper than that, but that's kind of the basics. And this whole thing of addiction really awoke something deep inside of me, particularly going through my own process, but then realizing, looking around me and realizing, holy moly, everybody is in the throes of some form of addiction, psychological, emotional, spiritual, biochemical, whatever it may be. And with these digital drugs that we have as phones... Okay, so I well let's let's just I want to bring in a few distinctions about all that stuff. Yes. The one is that most of the escapism is what Steiner would call luciferic. This demons, is what I wanted to talk. Right? And yeah. Luciferic impulses Thank and you. influences. Yeah. That's another way to look at it. Yeah. Um, sometimes we throw the word demon around and people have a completely different meaning for that word. Right. So it's, it's like these impulse. impulses. It's an impulse. Okay. On the other hand, there's also the the other thing of like how the human being is, right? Which is we're creatures of habit. Mm, Habits mm, are addictions. Mm-hmm, right. That's what an addiction is, is a repetitive habit. Right? Right. And what I, to me, my definition of, a, of addiction is is when I don't feel the, the, the um, ability to stop. That's what it is. Mm, when I don't feel mm. the ability to stop, then I'm addicted to something. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can be addicted to things that are good for you, like fitness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where you say, i got to go to the gym today. got to go to the yoga class. Got to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really fun. Yeah. So those are, you know, like a luciferic impulse is pulling you away from your life. Mm. The fitness regime is putting you in your life, mm-hmm. getting involved. It's kind of, kind of how I think of like hair and makeup and all that stuff, how it's been turned into a toxic, and, and, and uh, bath care and all that, and totally. soaps and all that, been turned into a toxic thing. But the original and the whole concept of it is really incredibly good and all mm. natural. So if we spend our time doing something all natural, like making soap from scratch or something, right. you know, that to me is... If that we had that as a habit or an addiction that was going on in this farm, I'd be real happy about that mm-hmm. right? because it's furthering life, right. it's improving life. And it, by by definition, it wouldn't carry a negative connotation. It wouldn't be an addiction the way that we know it. It, right. would, be, it would be something. It would be transcendent. Right. It's transcendent. It's improving life. It's it's furthering life. So that so yeah. Those are the things I think about when I think mm-hmm. about addiction and what I've learned in my life. And the way I deal with addiction and addictive behavior myself is I just if I'm doing something too much, it just I change course and go do something else too much uh-huh. i change get into something completely random or different right right <laughs> but there are things that have stayed with me over the years and have been really really epic and addictions uh-huh and one of them has been uh, playing the drum set okay yeah that's been really fun for me really it's been a very awesome development in my life and it's it's like just the just the things that you, it's constantly humbling you Mm. I'm constantly mm. on Instagram looking at the best drummers in the world going, okay, how do I do that trick? How do I learn that? How do I do this? How do that? And that's so cool, you know, to be, I, for me, at, at least at my age, I'm in my mid-50s, so I'm like, I can do, you know, things that 20-year-old drummers are doing, and that's really cool that I can be on that level and be in, involved with them and be friends with them and mm. do things online mm-hmm. with them. Um, but it stayed at, it's an addiction. Or a habit. Well, it's interesting too but because, it's my life. but it's also life affirming. It's, it's, it's uplifting and it's it's resource it's self sourcing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which, so it's good. It, see, that's the thing about you know habits and addictions is when you when you can't sense the ability to stop. Right. And then I would have to add to that, and it's hurting your life. Exactly. Yes. And then if it's hurting your life or hurting the life of others, then switch switch gears. Well, you've. I mean. 
you know, you've been in this this longer than almost anyone as far as the the health field. I mean, you're you're one of the originators, the generators, and pioneers of what we now know is like the modern health world. Like you're one of the pioneers. So much of this has been built on your back. I mean, you know that, but I'm just going to say that for anyone who doesn't or may have forgotten. And Thanks. yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't exist as I am, and I wouldn't have written all the books that I have, and I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Like literally, if it weren't for you. Uh huh. I, as I know myself or anyone knows me in this field, would not exist. Or it would be something different, right? That impulse, that Christed impulse, which now I recognize. To improve life. Yeah, that right. original right. inspiration would have happened if I didn't stumble on you on YouTube, YouTube University in your poncho talking about grounding at a raw food, fest, raw food spirit festival. That's how I first stumbled on you. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. That was like 2008. Yes. And 2009, those years. And, and by the way, the years that, you know, I've seen a lot of years go by now, 30 years. I've been at it for 30 years. 30 years, yeah. So I've seen a lot of stuff come and go. And um, and there's just, you know, certain certain mountains that don't move. One of those mountains is you need fiber and roughage to move through your body. You know, so when people go to, like, the all-meat diet, mm-hmm. there's no fiber in meat, mm-hmm. there's no fiber in chicken, there's no fiber in eggs, there's no fiber in cheese, there's no fiber. That's not good. Yeah. you got to have the fiber to sweep your intestines clean. So... That's where the vegetable stuff comes in. And this is the thing you see people trying to do is they're trying to make an excuse to get out of eating vegetables. At the same time, <laughs> they're also making excuses on, on you know, how, how to not eat um, sugar. Right. You know, and they right. make a demon out of that or what, you know, so you have mm. to, you have to, there is carbohydrates are naturally human being. You have to have some carbohydrates in your diet. If, you know, we're talking about the big population as a whole. Of course. That's just the way it is. And you have to have protein and you have to have fat and oil. And... That's just the population as a whole. That's the way humanity is. And that's, and mm-hmm. that, coming to grips with what humanity is and understanding humanity's diet because of all the years of experience really helps me to understand what my real ancient role was, which mm. was when the tribe landed in the new place, we would set up the dietary system for that Interesting. place. That's definitely in my genetics for sure. Interesting. Because I've been so many places around the world. Right. And I've seen so many different herbal systems and so many ways to carve out a lifestyle herbal food system out of each ecosystem, which does not necessarily need to be the same between two separate tribes that live in the same ecosystem, mm. right? Because they have a different perspective, different way of using certain plants. Different and, accessibility to yeah, different and things. Yeah, and different, different sensibility, too. Uh, mm, mm, you know? mm-hmm. And so, you know, for example, you know, the, the way that the Peruvians are with coca, for example. You know, it's just so beautiful. It's so the, the way they, the, the style of life they've carved out with that plant I wouldn't take that plant that way where you're constantly chewing it. You know, it's just, you know, a huge, big bolus of crap in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's how that civilization did it. They've done it well. They've carved out a lifestyle where they live to over 100 regularly. They right. hike every day. They, they're amazing. I mean, they're my favorite people probably as a race of people in the world. The wow. People, for wow. Real. I want to, you just, you just mentioned something. I'm just squeezing some things in while I have you. I want to talk about plant medicine. You okay. just mentioned Peru. That naturally makes me think of ayahuasca in my own journey with that sacred medicine. And I know you have a long, long history, research, experiential history with that medicine. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I'm really curious what comes up for you when I mention plant medicine and even ayahuasca as a specific it's um, these things exist on the periphery of civilization in order to bring people back to the reset mode of the ancients, right? So 
that's that allows us to let go of these deep held beliefs mm. and mm. parameters of society mm. those things are broken up by the psychedelic experience and therefore we can think things differently or live different lifestyles or live a different place than we ever thought we could live or yeah. um, interact with the spirit world in a way that we didn't know was there or know certain doors of perception that mm -hmm. we wouldn't have known otherwise mm -hmm. and that's and that's what i love about it but at the same time because we're dealing with the body of politic of people at large yeah. it has to be done in certain ways yes. you know that's just in the, the right way is in a ceremony with the original people who developed the ceremonies to begin with yeah and when it's done that way man it's like i was in the north georgia mountains the last time i drank ayahuasca and i was in the north georgia mountains and i met this couple and it turns out we knew each other. We knew friends. We, we, we had surrounded each other in certain ways. And, and the guy, after a while, was like, you want to drink Dime tonight? And I was like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Just by the book. We'll sit there. We'll get the prayers out. Yeah. And we'll just go yeah. for it. <laughs> while you're deep in the medicine, too. Well, oh, yeah, while you're in the medicine. Absolutely, yeah. of course. No, we, we, and we drank Dime that night um, in a cabin up there in the North Georgia Mountains with some friends too. There were some other people who joined us and we just sat there with the book and we did the prayers and we did the hymns and we sang and we did the whole thing, just dimey style. Yeah. And yeah. I used to resist that stuff because, you know, I was just too young and too egoic of like, yeah, I'm going to go do whatever I want. I'm not going to sit here mm. or whatever. Or I'd mm -hmm. stay in the ayahuasca things, but I'd, you know, I'd be kind of doing my own trip. Right. Um, which is usually what you're doing in an ayahuasca circle in the maloca like you're in your own experience. you're in your own thing exactly but right. with daimi it's and with other many other traditions like native american church you're singing you're mm -hmm, you're, mm -hmm. you're involved you're you're engaged you're you know sitting upright and right participating right what so i, lo I love all those things for that yeah. reason and i and i see their role right now too which their role, and the reason why there's such an ascendancy of psychoactive plants and, and psychoactive literature and lore right now is because humanity is waking up. Mm. This whole thing that like, oh, they're not going to wake them up in time or whatever. Just the, you know, the whole that whole story of like, right, all of that is just some it's kind like of, doom and gloom and times addictions. It's awful. Yeah, humanity is waking up eventually. I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's ten years from now. Maybe it's a hundred <laughs> years from now. Maybe it's a thousand years from now. But the general trend is humanity is waking up. Yes. Yes. And that's good. Yes. That's all we can ask for. That's the best ever, actually, really. I mean, what, what else? We, imagine if it was the other way around. You know, and some people perceive it the other way around. But Oh, uh, I know a lot of people that are very staunch Christians, like they're really deep in it, and they absolutely fundamentally believe that it is end times. Yep. Which I, I see that. Like, I, I can't deny sure. the evidence of right. that. But I, but I also, this other perspective comes in of like, Okay, well, how do I hold both? Because I still have genuine inspirations to be in this world and to create and live a fulfilling life. And then there's also this existential pressure that I do feel like an alarm clock saying, wake up or else. But then it's like I'm holding both and realizing, well, an intelligent creator wouldn't allow all these miracles and all this awakening to happen if it's all just to like close the curtains. If it's all just going to doom and gloom, why are we having such a profound set of awakenings as you put it happening the demon gloom is an harmonic demon yes and the reason why we've been so so inculcated true. yeah brainwashed with the harmonic position scientism science is going to figure everything out a analysis multi multi-disciplined analysis and all that stuff the reason why we got that is because these harmonic demons are in control right now they are mm. they're coming to a fruition. It's coming to a head. It's going to bubble over. 
and people are going to realize, oh, it, the science was fake. It was actually a fake religion that they put on top of the scientific method and tried to hijack it, right? Oh, okay, they realize, oh, we don't trust the science because science is not something you trust. It's a process. It's, not, it's, it's like, a process. It's a process. It's not like we're going to trust the results in this study for. That's hilarious. Trust the science. Science is not a, in, uh, like a, in, uh, a being or, or a sentient being. It's a process of deduction. Yeah, and, it's a, and it, it continuously improves and it continuously changes, right? Because new things are found out. All of a sudden you go, well, what about this? Oh, we forgot about this assumption that we had. And anyway, all of that yeah, stuff yeah. Is, part of the, of, is part of the doom and gloom of our current mm. civilization because imagine being brainwashed with that stuff as a kid. Then you think, oh, wait, this is scientific reality. We're going to the moon. We're going to Mars. And you're in that mindset. Those, the, the beings, the entities, the impulses that control that mindset are completely depressed. Depre They're depressed. There's no hope, actually. They're devoid of hope. Hence, bring in the addictions, the external coping mechanisms to numb, sedate, and tranquilize the internal trauma and disconnect we feel inside of ourselves, i.e. the escapism, filling in the God-shaped hole within ourselves. So if you feel depressed and compressed and oppressed, then you're not ex expressed, so you need something outside of you to medicate that disconnect. Sure, and that thing could that could be a good thing actually, because that what it's doing is it's pulling you back the other direction. So sure, sure. The harmonic position is so far in one direction that the escapism. Let's say somebody goes, I'm going to go drink ayahuasca in the jungle for you know a month, and I'm going to go you know drink wachuma or whatever in, in Peru or whatever their trip is, mm -hmm. and then they go there and do that. Maybe that's what they needed to get break up to all break of it. The, yeah. Yeah. harmonic programming science trust the science this is against science you're a pseudoscientist or mm, it's mm -hmm. so, so <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, ridiculous <laughs> and then the way you know that it's a, that the way people believe in it they're religious fanatics, Totally. Right? That's yeah. what it is, right? Like, you, what? You don't trust the science? This study said this, and what yeah. about this? It's just like, oh my God, this wow. is a religious fanatic. Yeah. Right? It's, Except it's now it's scientism. It's just atheism, but with a scientific overlay. With the Wetiko, the Wetiko mechanism just on, on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's completely under the radar because of science. And everything's, <laughs> you know, we're in a scientific reality. And, Everything works by science down yeah. here. Everything works by engineering, not science. Mm, it's mm. Engineering is different than science. The way you construct your bridge is engineering. Right. Right? It's not science. Trust the science. What, what the hell is that? That doesn't make sense. That is whole, Your car that is works amazing. by engineering. Right. Not science. Right. Right? We're going to trust the science. We're going to trust some mystery cocktail they're going to inject into a six-month-old. Um, we're going to trust that science, but meanwhile... We trust it because they've engineered a car. Those are completely different things, mm. right? The mm -hmm. engineering of a vehicle, the steps of engineering, the, the, the history of the, those engineering um, steps yeah. is something. It's really something. That's something interesting. Yeah. But it also appears cyclical, too, by the way, uh, right? Mm. You know, so this thing of the linear progression of history is all obviously Complete now, nonsense. nonsense. Right. Charles Darwin, his yeah. whole trip. Yeah, yeah. The whole, that whole thing of, like, we were savages, and now we're, you know, now we're scientific. Right. Yeah. By the way, ah. Charles Darwin was a was a Freemason. 
Just throwing that out there. Stum oh, stumbled on that randomly, yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, they all were because that, that was what was told. They, they needed something like this, the harmonic hyperdimensional demon or just the, you know, the beings just bringing that demon's will to light. Mm. They needed a, a nihilistic religion. Nihilistic, right? yeah. Because the, the main thing about the harmonic deception is that it's just that the bottoms of the mouth are downturned. Like, mm. Mm. Super mm -hmm. unhappy. The most unhappy ever. Yeah. And that's why people who follow the science and trust the science and science, 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 they tend to be unhappy. Yep. It's a, just a general rule. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, let's go, let's go party somewhere. What right. Yeah. Kind of anemic vampire looking creatures. Yeah. As a general rule, not all. I mean, there's some yeah. really bright scientists and really interesting people and things like that. Sure. In the sciences. Sure. For sure oh, of but, course. You know, it says a general rule. They're up there depressed. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a pretty depressing reality. It's a depressing philosophy. It, it, totally. Yeah, and then I was just thinking when you said engineering, how about the, the greatest engineering feat of ever, which is this human biotechnology avatar that we're in, that we don't understand. Anatomy and physiology and bio, biology is a very, some sort of approximation to some kind of understanding of how this thing actually functions and operates. And that to me is the great mystery and that is like, that's like the entry point into the, the revelation of some sort that there is an intelligent design, an intelligent creator or creation or something. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable to me how people will use science or scientism or, or promote atheism and, and really promote it hard and just with this, with this blind assumption that like, God, source, whatever you want to call it, is just a myth or it's a fairy tale or it's some, some archaic religious, you know, thing that we don't need anymore because we have vaccines and antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scientism clergy right there, bro. That's who right. they are. That's right. what they do. That's what they're into. Yeah. It's, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon that's going on, but I, I know this. I know that reincarnation is real. And the next time I reincarnate, I'm going to re reincarnate on an old growth plane somewhere where the trees aren't the, the subject victims of mm. the mm. Mm. That's really what it comes down to, too, by the way. If you really look at what their agenda is, one of their agendas is they want to get all the trees down. They want to chop every tree down on Earth. Actually, I'm kind of into the concept of what they're driving with the cult of the black cube, which they're trying to turn everything on Earth into a black cube. Can you explain that? So look at our houses, all cubes. Um, what did they do with the city? They wiped out the natural ecosystem in the forest. They turned into a bunch of cubes, a lot of them black. Mm. Um, look at a computer, black cube, um, right? Microchip, look at the black cube. It's that black rectangular Black Saturnian cube. cube. It's a, the black Saturnian cube, exactly. Right. So the cult of the black cube is trying to turn everything into a black cube. I don't know how I got onto that. It was yeah. probably um, Jordan Maxwell, most likely. Yeah. And, but... I have seen the evidence of it. So it tells me that this is what I, how I interpret it. There are harmonic demons who are the, in the hierarchy of, the, of evil, you know, parasites. They are high up there, and part of their, like, sub-agenda is turn everything into a black cube. Mm, mm, mm. And, and the, the black cube, is this, like, some sort of portal? 
you mean, oh, it's okay. Why would they turn into a black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. They, they emanate from a lower astral um, realm. It's like the eighth sphere concept. It's an eighth sphere concept. Sure, okay. that's one way to interpret it. Yeah, and uh, it, it's to me, it's just it's fascinating because we're able to see the body politic of parasites, uh-huh. and then we can go, okay, oh, that's like a tapeworm. Oh, this is like right. a hookworm. This is like whipworms. Oh, those are like liver flukes, mm-hmm. and then correlate them to actual human parasites. So if you read the book Parasite Rex, you go down to the Big Island, talk to Robert Kassar for a couple hours, and then you look at the politics, which is politics, then are you saying that you get some sort of like overlay or some sort of map of how to identify these things in the maybe the political system or? Yeah, of course. Like by behaviors and. Yeah, by behaviors. Yeah. So what's happening is people are like, how could these guys be winning so much? You know, it's like, why? Why is evil winning now? Or then, or has won in the past, and evil's made lots of inroads on good, and we know that now. We see we see it now with the, you know, the perspective of like, what were those world wars really all about? You know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So looking at it that way, where, you know, the we see the bigger picture of what the parasites are up to, we can kind of interpret like, okay, this is like a tapeworm, this is like a ropeworm, these are the ones like the ropeworm. To me, that this is probably what we're going to find out you know when the, when this gets c- confirmed but my guess is that there's an endemic parasite to the human being which is the ropeworm and that means it's kind of like a um the, the human being has to get to that level of cleansing mm-hmm. to finally get all of those demons off you know like advance the world for real and that has to do with a ropeworm. And there's going to be beings on this earth who are going to figure this out. There's going to be beings who do it and get those things out of their system and therefore gain true sovereignty mm. and then understand mm. what freedom is really about and then develop the, you know systems from there. Wow. Wow. Well, I guess that naturally brings us into parasite cleansing, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. then we talk about solutions, right? We get the problem. It's pretty, pretty macro in scale and scope. It almost seems like there's nothing we can do. So then that brings into like, okay, what's the, what's the micro, meaning the responsibility within myself, my, my life, my family, my community. And it's got to be more than just speaking. It's got to be something that we're doing. It's got to be something about cleansing or right. liberating yes. ourselves. It, it has to be converted to a physical yes. thing. That was water just came out of my hand. <laughs> Woo. Oh, that was an itch. You know when an itch comes up, oh, yeah. water comes out of your inner ear. Anyway, you're right. Exactly. We convert it to a thing, a physical thing that people can do. And that's a really good first step. Okay. In the development of where this is all heading, that's a really good first step. Mm-hmm. Okay. So phys- bringing it to physical things that we can do, which is a really important first step for the survival of society and civilization, is to realize that actually we turn inward. Mm. right to deal with all of that stuff all of that stuff out there is just stuff we didn't deal with inside Mm. okay thank you that's that's where i want to that's how i want to finish this conversation yeah so i mean what do you what do you either recommend to other people what's your what's your process been with that i've gotten religious about fasting at least a week four times a year sometimes five times a year okay this next one i'm going to do i'm going to do I'm going to do like two weeks, I think. 
on the next water fast mm. and just do my normal life. I'm getting better at it because it's a skill you develop, right? You know, I've been doing it consistently now. I'm in my sixth year consistently doing that. Every year. Every year. Wow. And that really has changed me. It has mm -hmm. changed me because I know that as long, once I get deep into the water fast, all my powers come back. I, I'm like, I'm young again. I'm completely young again. It's amazing, actually. And then, you know, you start eating food, you start coming back, you're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and then gradually you get back into the fasting and all, all the all the disruption goes away, right? All yeah. the aging goes away, basically. Yeah. And so that's made me, it's, it's kept Those me... Those negative thought forms go away, right? Oh, you, you can't, you, when you're that far into a water fast, you're in the holy flow. Mm. Once you're a week in, you're in the holy flow. Mm -hmm. So you're just going with the holy flow. What's happening, which to me is very psychedelic, actually. And I would say that psychedelics have really helped me in that way. They've helped me prepare for the fasting experience, which mm. is every day is an adventure. We're going, let's go on an adventure. Let's see what happens, right? Because you don't know you're in the fasting flow. You don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. So the development of that process for me, you know, in terms of like really getting into the water fasting has been very difficult and very, very good for me. Mm -hmm. It's a saving grace. Yeah. 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 So fasting, which is which is an abstinence process, but it's productive. It's not like, oh, I'm just abstaining from this thing because it's not good for me. It's I'm actually pointing the momentum forward towards something towards something. Right. And yeah. You're also you're going you're tuning out on other energies and other like music is an insane source of energy. Mm -hmm. um, sleep is an incredible source of energy. Right. You could I can be on a water fast, sleep for 20 minutes, get up and be totally recharged, completely recharged for hours. Wow. You know, but not normally because I'm like digesting and, you know, mm. just your overall energy just can't be the same as when you're fasting. So true. And, and then all of a sudden you're burning f f like through your fat. So you're burning through clean fuel. Mm -hmm. um, I've been saying this one. You get a kick out of this one. This is a, a fasting observation, numerous fastings uh, type of observation, right? Which is like, you know, 25 long fasts in the last six years. Kind of what, what, I, what I learned from that is that your fat is the best food for you by far. Right, right. If you clean your fat off and you actually have healthy fat on you that's not filled, filled with soot, just to be clear, mm -hmm. right? Real healthy fat looks pink and, and bright and glows, actually. But unhealthy fat looks like soot. It's dirty. The pollution. The pollution, yeah. right? It's metabolic pollution. It's environmental pollution. Mm -hmm. But with the fasting and cleansing, fasting and cleansing, fasting and cleansing, and you know, getting the waste out... Eventually, you build up healthy fat. It's made of healthy tissue. And that's a really interesting observation. I've been like, wow, what an interesting observation that you can build up your reserves and then use them when you fast and clean it all off and mm. then start over again. Mm. A lot of people are carrying that those layers and layers of fat and toxins and never burn them completely off. Yeah. Yeah. Cleansing, detoxification that being that being the focus for like i mean you know kind of what we're bringing up in my mind is we're talking about the the toxicity and the pollution that infects our mind metaphysically physically the environmental pollution then the psychic pollution the debris the the quote-unquote demons these negative urges um addictions the only way to really deal with the quote-unquote metaphysical is to go deeply into the physical and I uh -huh. think, and this has really come up deep for me as I've become more of a somatic therapist and integrated that into my work and the, the nervous system in particular. 
And I've seen so many people, myself included at times, but I'm very physically centric. So I've, that's always been my saving grace. And my, my center of gravity is in my body where a lot of people, they don't want to be in their body. They can't handle being in their body for different reasons. They're not comfortable in it. Um, but I found like that is, that is part of that luciferic impulse, right? To escape reality, i.e. my physical body. It's a luciferic impulse. And then there are types of luciferic demons that take advantage of that too yeah just to kind of put clarity on it like they take advantage of people wanting to escape and therefore they will um exploit them so for example like escaping responsibility that's it yeah yeah right making that okay right so you can see you're like oh this whole system we're in is trying to make people escape responsibility moral relativism moral that's another one yeah right moral relativism this well it could be good could be bad you know we don't know we have we need more information but you know what they thought was bad back then is now good right right that's moral. you see that a lot in the spiritual community you do yeah this this inability to plant your flag on anything mm-hmm. and yeah. make a decision and yes. have an opinion and a perspective and a set of values yes yeah and that's that's uh the chivalric code yeah. is a very good core set of values Mm. right that's a really core set that has affected me my whole life and i got into it from the arthurian mythos Uh, right mm -hmm. and and when we were kids we got into all the knights we had a whole list of every knight you know what is every knight's name you know we had written out every knight's name the whole chivalric code what an interesting concept Mm -hmm. what a great thing to to educate kids about yeah yeah, and that's the that's a, a good mirror to like the Bushido code of the samurai culture, right? Right. Yes. Like they every 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 exalted warrior clan race tradition culture, they all have a code of conduct. There's a there's a moral imperative. There's it's not just random or they're just like oh they just go out there and fight battles and there, but there's no rhyme or reason or structure or order. There's always a code of conduct. There's a, there's a there's a reason for why they train and, and refine themselves and go out to battle when absolutely necessary. The moral relativism is going after that, right? It's breaking down these ancient codes of being or testing them anyway, for sure. Stress testing them. Yeah, stress testing them to see, hey, are yeah. they going to survive this era, right? And there will be things that survive this era. For example, you could see, you could probably see jujitsu, for example, be, and capoeira maybe combining into a type of martial art that mm-hmm. has some of the, some of the feelings that that we got from some of the more hard and soft styles totally totally you see what i'm saying yeah yeah um, that makes sense and, and and it becomes a code of conduct right you're a, you're now you have these skills you have a code of conduct now because the way you can deal with people right in the world is different and so you have to conduct yourself so that's more. the responsibility piece yes right so th- so essentially what is good then is the thing that we kind of suspected all our lives me and you to be specific which is a martial arts training in with like in a place like this right where you get to learn about um honesty mm. ethics integrity mm. specificity and you know you you get to also learn discipline yeah where okay these two hours we're doing this and these four hours we're doing that in a place like this this is where good character is built out of. and that's this is why i think you're in my case and we've always been attracted to the Kung Fu training, the Shaolin yeah. Monastery, mm-hmm. the, you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it speaks to that. It speaks to the night within, but in a more, you know, current context. 
Yeah, and it's also an archetypal like impulse that, that I appreciate you, you, you know, that you and I recognize and share. And it's, it's always it's always like I've always noticed that about that's one of the affinities I've had with you, aside from like just your overall work, like just your personality or character, how it kind of seeps through in your messaging and in the deeper writings, like in, in some of your books, The Sun Food Diet Success System, which I think is the my favorite book I've ever read just as a book. It's like one of my favorite books. Thanks. But that philosophy <laughs> is woven into it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. It, it's, not just, it's, like, it's not just a health book, and you're not just a health guy. There's this intersection between spiritual development. I'm not even call it personal development. It's spiritual development and holistic health. Yeah, and holistic health, and also the thing that Western civilization brings to it all, which is the will to power. Right. Generally, right. Eastern civilization is more go with the flow. Long established civilizations, long established feudal societies. You know, you just as a being that's incarnated into that reality, you're you're not you're, your will to power is more about maneuvering with the holy mm. flow instead of no, let's change it completely. You that know, is, no, we're yeah. going to do this now. We're going to change the whole society. That kind of will to power is very prevalent in Western culture, and so I'm part of that in the sense of like that's that's intrinsic to my personality yeah you know what i mean it's like i'd be i'd be escaping my personality if i wasn't involved in that kind of thinking and Mm -hmm. and also being right the way that for example on this farm we you know grow vanilla and i want the world to change the way they grow vanilla from the way they're doing it which is generally you know stacking up coconuts and putting the vanilla on it at vanillary to let's go back to putting on the cacao trees you know, that it's like a will to power. I want the mm-hmm. I want the world to change their way of doing something. Yeah, the way we move around water. I've always had a huge. That's mm. always been a major. I part remember of that. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, seeing certain themes too. You know, in, in certain natural spots, is and becoming aware of that is really, I think, a fun thing too. That in the will to power, you you know, it, the best use of your insight and your. Te- your techno- technological innovation of nature is to take the themes that are normal normal in your environment where so you're not just coming in with some outside idea mm-hmm. and trying to put pose it here let's say for example in Hawaii you're paying attention to the themes that are going on around you and you're working yeah. with those right 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 that's a really cool thing too I that was going through that last night see down right here you can see where that that piece eventually broke off and on the front both of them we couldn't have them. it was interfering with the view so we just like left them open as drains for this gutter here on the mm-hmm. whole front side mm-hmm. and it spills out in these two spots over here but this spot right here when it drops down it's cleaning our turmeric right now i left it under there but it's it's like it's a crazy thing it's like when you get to the middle of this island makaleha uh-huh. you know those kind of places yep. and you're underneath those waterfalls that's a thing that this is it were, I don't have to go to those places because when it was raining like last night, mm. I took my shower and I started my shower right there under that thing. Like, <laughs> and and that came about from noticing the mm. themes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that like we could wait, we could replicate that right here. We could make that happen right here. I would never have normally come up with something like that, turning out into a shower. Yeah, yeah. But it's paying attention what's going on Mm -hmm. in your environment. Not imposing your will to power on the environment. Right. You're you're taking what's the the themes that are occurring in there, and you're bringing it out with your will to power. Ah. Right? You're creating something that's like you're drawing it out of the masterpiece that's in front of you. It's an organic, emergent phenomenon. Uh Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Which is the best ever. It's the best ever. That's how the Polynesians were. That their technology was that way. That's how many of the great civilizations in history, at their peak moments, they were they were in that completely, right? They were taking the things that they were that were around them and they were yeah. bringing them to fruition, mm. making amazing things. I mean, you know, the Polynesian ships. Mm-mm-mm. What a technology! My God! And, and yeah. then to, for it to be. There would be the priest king and the navigator at the front of the ship. And together they would guide the ship. So the priest king would be like, hmm, bad. So this is not a good omen. We got to go this way. Mm-hmm. And the navigator would have to go, am I going to go with it or am I going to go against it? And you, those two had to work together to navigate across the ocean. And what I love about that is that the, the, the entire concept of the Polynesians populating the, the Pacific Isles intrinsically means you have to, when you really look at it, you go, they had to have had psychics on board. Mm, mm. You, there's no other way around it. And that's what the, <laughs> that's what the Hawaiian uh-huh. um, history tells us. The Hawaiian mystics. You, yeah, they, they, yeah. You, had a, you had a kahuna on the front who was your priest king and you had your navigator who was your science guy, basically knew the engineering. Interesting. Right, and then the yeah. two of them guided the boats, and that's how it was done. You had both sides of the pole. Yeah, both sides. Yeah. And to me, that that is such an amazing realization. But then you tell tell that to a normal person, they they really it's only a, a thought. Yeah. They've never really internalized. Like, do you realize how big that ocean is out there? Do you really <laughs> know, like, to be on a double-hulled canoe, how what a journey it is from Tahiti really to Hawaii? What that really is. To be three wait weeks potentially, maybe twenty one days on the ocean in a double hole. And there's canoe. nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. That's crazy. It's crazy, right? And they don't get the psychic piece because it's too much. It's too. It's too much of a leap. More and more, I would say people are getting it. More and more, you know, who, the beings that are being born into the earth now. More and more of that that mind, mm-hmm. you know. And as we go back towards the light, you know, in the big cycles of time, and we're, I think we're just at the end of the Kali Yuga, as best as I can tell. Just yes. coming out of that into the light again, these things become normal again. And a human being realizes, oh, I'm not a monkey. Okay, that was mm, some bullshit. That was okay, crazy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a light being either. I'm both. I'm, I'm, I'm in between mm. in this world that I'm in. But I'm not an animal. Yes. But I'm not a god. Right. Right. Yes. You're in between. But you can, you can exalt yourself, hopefully not your ego, but you can exalt yourself out of the constraints of this this animal body while still being fully in your body right and through discipline yes yes and and insight and inspiration and the, the you know those competing forces that create character that right that feels when you say that that feels so strong in my body maybe it's just the martial artist in me but i think it's more deeply this felt sense of this the stress test or the collapsing of character particularly in masculinity i mean it goes both sides for sure but this is a conversation in the zeitgeist right now that i find myself in because i'm a man and i care deeply about what's going on you know in in this moral relativistic scientism scientismic um just transhumanist yeah just this this just this whole overlay that's taking over and the the um the destruction of moral character yes right the, really the destruction of the night right and, and so that 
it's always been you know a fundamental archetype um for for western culture yeah and and you know fortunately the asian cultures brought it back for us with the the martial arts like these are legit like things you can do i guess it was lost in europe that all that Mm -hmm. you know the the connection with the moral development with the physical discipline right you nailed it perfectly said anyway that you know that that to me is really one of the things that's going to get us out of this and build a healthy culture and that to me is also one of the things that's really important to work on you know when you when you're around kids is you're you're helping to get them into that mm-hmm. mindset you know i love being around kids and and yeah. we, you know we just showed a kid here the other day he's 8 years old and he was away from his mom and he doesn't have a dad or mm. his dad's not around mm. and so we're you know he was here for a week and we were able to you know just instill some like yeah. Not your mom's not here. So you're with the guys now. Here's yeah, you're with the men. You're with the men, yeah. And yeah. So here's how you light a lighter. We're gonna show you because he was fascinated with fire, and it, it was like, let's show you how to light a lighter. Just you know, so you light your first lighter. Yeah. And he did it. Yeah. And those little things, those are all those are all seeds. Those are guiding guiding lights. That would be that's very important for his development. I'm yeah. I'm just finding I'm really enjoying that more and more and more being around kids. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just cool it's like it's like a uh, get to be a your automatic mentor you're yeah you're automatically a mentor for them and you can show them things that will help them and and you're teaching them you know like i feel a lot of times here on this farm that i'm like the um you know master po or whatever from yeah. from mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. kung fu mm-hmm, kung mm-hmm. Fu. more and more i mean i will be that when i'm like 70 or 80 yeah. on this farm and there's kids here who are like 20 right right then they're gonna it's gonna be more like that you'll be you'll be that elder mentor yeah yeah it's just just the natural role that you you become right it's because that of that archetype being imprinted on me as a kid it was like there that's where you aspire to be when you're Mm -hmm. 70 80 Mm -hmm. 90 you're you're Mm -hmm. you're at the ashram or the what's the (laughs) the dojo the dojo yeah yeah there's a um so this has been absolutely amazing. We've covered a lot of territory and this is completely organic, emergent in the flow. There's no script, no questions, just like you and I reconnecting and just recording the conversation. There's a few questions I want to ask to, to tie us, to tie this all up. Um, what drives you? And, and that question comes, comes from when I, when I last saw you, we, you were at your weekend event in Texas. It was you, it was Mickey Willis, it was Dale Bigtree, it was Judy Mikovich. Um, many other people were there. But I remember seeing you, and I hadn't seen you in years in terms of speaking. Like the longevity conferences stopped and like the world went absolutely crazy and the theatrical production went mad. And I just was like, this movie sucks. I'm done watching this after the fake inauguration. <laughs> and, um, you know, so every so the whole that whole reality as far as like speaking events and workshops and all that kind of subsided. And so I hadn't really seen you in action in a long time. And then, so I'm, I'm seeing you and I'm thinking to myself, dang, like his fire is on. And it's not just like your passion or your spirit, but dude, his brain, his memory recall, there's something about him. He's like quicker, sharper, like, like, like everything is there. But you, and you've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. You're not 35 or 40 right. or 45 anymore. I haven't seen you in a while. Right. So I'm just seeing like, it's like, it's really inspiring because usually in any field of performance, 
you don't see your heroes or people that have been at the top of their game, they don't tend to stay in that, that level of performance. Something, you lose a step, right? But I was just like, wow, he's full on, on fire, does, isn't missing a cue. Like, this is impressive. Whoa, thanks, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Actually, yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I had a lot built up from being like <laughs> out of commission for, you know, a few years there where I wasn't doing any live events. I did live events my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and so it was like, just imagine being an athlete that mm-hmm. is given a second chance at your sport wow. and, and you still have enough of your, of your old skills. You can be like, okay, let's get back out there. Yeah. That's what it felt like for that's, me. Okay. That, that's it. And a big thing, what drives me is, is things that, you know, I, I, it's not something that would drive somebody else, but what drives me, for example, I'm, I'm absolutely enamored, um, inspired mm-hmm. by nature Mm-hmm. And by um, natural technology, the way that plants move water around, the um, miracle of growth, mm. I'm just completely fascinated by those things. Mm-hmm. And and it, I don't need anybody around me or anything else. And I've always been that way, I, even since I was a little, little kid. Um, I mentioned recently, and I hadn't really ever even... I, this is so crazy, dude. Recently, like the last couple of years, something came to my, my mind that I was like, I never told a single person that in my whole life. No one ever, and I was like, when I was a little kid, I used to renegade plant pine trees in my neighborhood. And I was like five years old. And one day I realized I never had actually told anybody that in my wow. life. Wow. And, but it's a big part of my life because I, mm. it tells me that even back then I was fascinated by the miracle of growth. I was fascinated by plants. Mm-hmm. And it started with the pine tree. That is. I always have been endeared to pine trees for that reason, and, and in particular at my place in Canada, the pine trees around the house, that energy, the original pine trees that I grew up with that were in the front of my house, mm-hmm. I, I, that love that I had for them, and, and the uh, just the, you know, the magic that you share when you're a kid and climbing in trees and cutting trees and things like mm-hmm. that has has been handed off to these other trees mm. and it's really cool they've become like a, a formidable barrier in the front of the house and then we now we've got a gate there in between them it's really neat wow yeah just just expanding on that for a moment like what drove you when you're younger is it is it pretty much the same it's the same it's the same. you know when i look back on my life it's it's the same like what what it is is it's a progressive realization of uh, what i really am into uh. what am i really into like I am really into um, the magic of plants. I'm really into growing tobacco. I'm really into it. I really dig it. I'm really into growing cacao trees. I'm really into vanilla. Hardcore into it. All of them, right? I'm really into growing relinias. And you're really into telling people all about it. (laughs) Yeah, because it's it's an absolute joy to to not only know the, the magic of it, but to share it too and get other people into the magic of it. And, and, you know, that has been a big part of, uh, mm. I think, my more recent kind of TikTok success. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I like, didn't even know about that. Is, you know, I just show people just all lifestyle, 100%. Okay. You yeah. know, like every now and then I'll do a thing on like parasites or charcoal or, you know, join us in the cleanse or whatever. But basically it's like, you want to see avocados? Look at these avocados. You, by the way, did you see those avocados? I did. Right I did. Yeah. Those are incredible. Those are incredible. Beasts. That tree, that avocado tree, it's right there. I chopped it down twice. I tried to stop it from just shooting up. 
I, you know, I was like, come, you know, go wide, something. It, yeah. No, it just went right around the cut and just. And now it's integrated both those cuts into itself, and you don't even know that the thing was cut down twice. It's relentless. It's relentless. That tree is relentless. Look at the size of the fruits on that thing. Look at that. And that's, yeah. you know, that, that just, like, the miracle of, like, dude, look at that avocado mm. tree. What the mm. hell? There's hardly <laughs> as many leaves as there are fruits on it. Look at it. It's so wild. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Like, based on what you've told me and what I know about you, like, you have a kindred a kindred connection to these plants, yeah, to these trees. Sure. Like, you actually, you don't look at them as like, oh, they're just plants or they're just food. There's there's some sort of bond that you have. Like, you understand them. There's a character. There's a personality. There's a life force. That, that's how I feel about avocados. I felt about that. So it is. <laughs> David Avocado <laughs> Wolf. It's not a joke. <laughs> Um, I really and deeply connected to the avocado tree. It's it's my whole life. It, you know that it's not a joke. It, that David Avocado Wolf is a big deal for me because it, mm. it really summarizes my deep love for these these trees. You know, and the varieties that are out there. There's you know over six hundred that I'm familiar with, but there's a couple thousand I'm sure in the world. Mm. You know, in terms of what different types of avocados you could grow. I know that. You have to trans transition back. You're leaving tomorrow. There's a lot going on today. Last question. You've seen everything and everything when it comes to you know traveling around the world, your public speaking events, um, supporting people in all dimensions of their life, I'm sure, but specifically with their health. What do you feel if you had to synthesize it from your experience, what you've seen, and maybe even your own life, like what are the number, what's the number one thing or maybe few things that people are struggling with? And what, what have you seen to be like the solution or antidote or the appropriate response? I mean, we're in a toxic world. Okay. I would say this. So the appropriate, yeah. the, you know, like I want to be clean. I want to be clean on the inside. I want to be clean on the outside. I want to be cleaned out. Um, I don't want weird odors coming off my body in any way, shape, or form. Mm. You know, so that's where the charcoal comes in, mm. mm-hmm. right? The charcoal is is a um, it's a statement about cleanliness. It's a statement about we're going to do the anti toxic thing. It's a it's a statement about where the future is taking us. Mm. And what I'm mm. telling you, I will say this. I'll end it with this. I can tell you for sure that we're going to end up with a massive fertility problem, massive toxicity problem in North America. And it will be it will be um, dire at some point in the future. It Massive be, erectile dysfunction issue. Yeah. I mean, all of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, just fertility, erectile dysfunction, um, gender dysphoria, gender problems, just because of the toxins in the environment and what that does to mammals and to us. Um, spiritual pro- issues as a result of that. Turns the frogs gay. <laughs> I mean, atrazine. Yeah. And just the way they tried to shut that guy down, the guy who discovered all that stuff, and it just that just shows you right there. It's like, yeah. it's all an agenda. And so what we need to do is we actually need to turn the other way completely, and we go totally into the detox and cleansing, and that's why charcoal is the mm. foundation mm. of that. Mm. It's not just a thing like, hey, I'll do some charcoal once in a while. It's foundational. It is yeah. to build the new world where carbon-based life form. Interesting. Wow, yeah. World. It's, it, we have to go all the way back to the carbon and build up from there. And, and this will be a thing. Will, the, what's been happening to North America with the toxicity of North America over the last 100 years or 100, 200 years 
it will go on for thousands of years, meaning it will affect thousands of years into the future, and uh, it will be an issue. So therefore, this message, the charcoal message, take 400 milligrams of charcoal every morning until mm. you get to 800, then take 1,200, then take 2,400, you know, something like that. That's what I do. I take about 2,400 milligrams of charcoal every day. Oh, wow. On an empty stomach or throughout the day? Typically on an empty stomach in the morning. Okay. Um, I like to th- If I take it twice a day, it's better. Okay. You yeah. Know, you know, it's really the dose I should be taking. Oh, dude. Look at this. Um, the dose I should be taking is probably five thousand milligrams a day. But then I'm a hardcore. You know, my body can take it. Not. It's very. It's very drying. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very hot and drying. Okay. Activated charcoal detoxification cleansing. We know that cleanliness is next to godliness. We we talked about God and source and and you know spirituality and. And I really like, I feel like just the imperative of tying these things together and, and this fragmentation or this, this compartmentalization of what is the intrinsic human experience, like total human optimization, total human liberation and exaltation, body, mind, spirit, or mind, I, body, spirit. I think it has a lot to do with fully getting into and fully diving in the things that really activate you as a human being that really are part of your destiny, you know, and activating mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. magic that you have as a human being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big part of it's that. Yeah. Your mission. Yeah, your mission. Your dharma. Yeah, your dharma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm looking out here. I mean, we're so fortunate to be here. I'm looking out there. I'm just going, oh, I can't wait to get to get into there and get that cleaned up. And oh, I can't wait for that. I'm going to get in mm-hmm. there and do this. And then you chop that back. And that, you know what I mean? It's constant. Yeah. And it's just, it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. because it's part of who I am. It's part of my dharma. And it's part of what makes me happy. Mm, bingo yeah bingo david it's always an honor and pleasure a joy and a privilege grateful for reuniting with you especially as you're about to head out so yeah just super grateful for you thank you yeah thank you that was great great for you to have have you back here and uh let's go to the yard yeah let's do it